Hello, Health Investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Kate Hall. Kate is a home cooking consultant and food waste advocate with a passion for everything frozen. Developed in her own home after becoming frustrated with the stresses of daily cooking and food waste, the full freezer method brings together Kate's 14 years of batch cooking experience with her love for keeping life simple. Covering all aspects of feeding a family, from planning to shopping to prepping to cooking and most importantly to food safety, the full freezer is Kate's answer to that relentless question, what's for dinner? And all of the steps that you need to take to answer it. Her big goal? To save you food, time, and money. In the episode, Kate shares tips for freezing produce and pantry items, how to be sure your frozen food stays safe to eat, why food waste is something we should be concerned about, and even more. Real quick, before we get to the episode, I have an important question for you. Are you a wine lover like me? If you answered yes, my next question for you is, do you know what's actually in your wine? Probably not, because you can't find ingredients or nutrition facts on most wine bottles. Alcohol manufacturers aren't required to post these labels, which is how they can sneak sugar and other additives into their products. Fortunately, an amazing company called Dry Farm Wines has come to the rescue. Dry Farm Wines natural wines are lab tested to ensure they're sugar free and also lower in sulfites and alcohol. But that's not all. Every single bottle of Dry Farm wine is also made with organic grapes, free from all industrial additives and fermented with 100% wild native yeast. Since I've grown accustomed to drinking natural wines, conventional wines, even ones that are top rated, give me headaches and make me feel gross. If you've never tried Dry Farm wines, you are going to be immediately hooked by two things. First of all, they're outstanding products, obviously. But second of all, they're incredible customer service. I honestly don't think I've ever interacted with employees who are kinder or more helpful than the people who work at Dry Farm Wines. To get a bottle of natural wine for a penny, visit dryfarmwines.com slash thehealthinvestment. And one more quick thing, if you've been enjoying what you hear on the Health Investment Podcast, please share your favorite episodes with friends and family members. My goal is to empower as many people as possible to invest in their health so that they can look and feel their best. So I would love to have your friends, parents, and crazy cousins along for the ride. I can't thank you enough for your support and help in spreading the word. Truly, it means so, so much to me. All right, it's time to hear from Kate. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. 
Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hi, Kate. Thanks so much for joining me today from across the world. You're in England, so it's always fun for me when I have a guest that doesn't live in the United States. And I know your time. What time is it for you, actually? Uh, it's 20 to 9 in the evening now. So, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not It's not too late. It's not too late. But, uh, yeah, I think by the time we wrap up, I'll probably be thinking of yeah heading off to bed, really. Going to bed, right. <laughs> well, I so appreciate you giving myself and my listeners your time because, yes, you are talking to us later at night. So thank you for being here. Uh, I would love if you could just start out by sharing your story and specifically what led you to become a food waste expert? Sure. Um, so yeah, thank thank you so much for having me. It's a, a pleasure to be here. Um, so, oh, my story, <laughs> it's a little bit convoluted, so I will try and keep it concise. Um, That's okay. I love this part. <laughs> I always love hearing people's stories. So take as long as you want. <laughs> it's always so difficult, isn't it? Because it's like, well, the bit that I'm doing now is is like the last sort of year or two but there's so much more um but I, I I mean I suppose the thing to say first is obviously that I I am a complete freezer geek um and mm. everything that I do and that I teach is around helping people to use their freezers um more effectively um and and to not to become tied into kind of the stereotypical uh view that like using your freezer means you have to batch cook or that you have to buy stuffs specifically from the store that is for the freezer like there are there are different approaches so uh obviously we'll we'll touch a bit more on what I do um throughout but that that love of freezing um kind of came from uh when I was in my 20s I was actually really really ill in my early 20s I had um multiple blood clots in my shoulders and um, my mum came and cooked for me so that I had a freezer stashed full of food um so when she left I'd always got kind of this stash of food available to me that was like good home-cooked proper food like you know that sort of that just those dishes that like only your mum can make that it's like giving mm-hmm. you a hug um and that that sort of triggered the realization that I could use my freezer in that traditional sort of batch cooking approach um and I I basically like I went mad on doing that um for would have been it's well over a decade so I went through like all the different phases of life um using batch cooking as I think probably I don't think I was aware of it at the time um but looking back now I think it was kind of my way of staying in control of life um so like particularly when I was ill I I would batch cook. I lived by myself at the time and I would batch cook and it would mean that even if I got ill again um, or if I had to have surgery, which I I did in due course, um, I knew that I always had like good home cooked food. Um, So that was, you know, I think that was sort of an instinctual thing that I just, um, I knew that having that food there, like, I don't know, it just made me feel better that I didn't have to think about getting to the shops or 
you know, trying to prepare for food because I remember trying to cook immediately after I had um, the first blood clot and they were they were in my shoulders. So I couldn't use my arms properly. <laughs> um, wow. And yeah, it made it it made it very difficult. And I think it made me realize just how um, how vulnerable we are when something, you know, when something happens and it's unexpected. So the the whole batch cooking thing as I say I I went through all the phases of life of like being single through all of that illness which lasted for about six years um and um yeah through meeting my my now husband so I batch cooked like when we were both young professionals working um and couldn't face cooking in the evenings um and then when my daughter came along I batch cooked before she arrived my mum came and helped me and we filled my freezer um like we actually my husband and I actually bought a new like freestanding freezer specifically because I was adamant that I was like I need to know that I'm not going to have to cook in those first mm-hmm. weeks of having my daughter here. Um, and I was so glad I did because I ended up having a C-section and she was adorable but did not sleep at all. Mm. Um, so, you know, we didn't have to to cook for the first month of her life, which was just lovely. Um, and, yeah, you know, I, I went on to use my freezer when I was um, weaning her and did batch cooking for her and actually for my friend's kids as well. Um, And then when my son came along, (laughs) um, I really, I think I just hit a wall where it was like, I, I kept on trying to do the same thing that I'd always done with that sort of traditional approach of, of batch cooking. Um, And it just didn't work anymore because Whereas when I had just my daughter, I could like strap her onto me um, and we could, you know, I'd just be dancing around the kitchen and doing the cooking and she could be on me either just looking around or she could have a snooze. Um, Now I had a toddler to contend with as well. (laughs) And Mm. it just, I think it was just all a bit too overwhelming for me personally, like having that baby and a toddler and we'd moved house when my son was five weeks old. Um, and we had building work going on and I just didn't feel like it was feasible to to prepare food in the same way that I always had Um, and I kept on I kept on trying so I kept on Mm. buying the food Um, and I think that thing of the you know having the good intention that it was like I I feel really passionately and really strongly about um you know the benefits of having home cooked food um and kind of knowing what goes into our food i'm also um uh, gluten free so convenience foods are a bit of a minefield um and get really boring quite frankly <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so you know i i felt really strongly that i i wanted to be able to cook from scratch um but i kept on buying stuff with good intention and then it would just end up going off in the fridge Um, And then we'd end up buying either like store-bought stuff that could be slung into the oven, um, like meats and, and, you know, like the ready prepared potatoes and the ready prepared vegetables. And, you know, there was there was a lot there where it was like they were good compromises, but it was so expensive. Um, And I just hit a point where it was like, 
I I was coming to the end of my maternity leave pay. Um, so in the UK, we're actually we're very fortunate that uh, we get statutory um, pay for nine months, um, mm. and then it's like the last three months um, you you don't get any pay unless your your company supports it. Um, so we were kind of looking at each other going, okay, well, either I've got to go back to work or we've got to start being a bit more clever about how we're, um, how, you know, what food we're buying and how I'm preparing food and, and cutting out most of the convenience stuff that's, um, that's so expensive. And it was around that point that I sort of had this light bulb moment that it was like, hang on, I, if I can freeze meals, surely I can freeze vegetables and meat. And, you know, I knew obviously that, you know, of course you can freeze meat and things, but I'd never thought about whether I could freeze the carrots that were going off in my fridge or Mm. potatoes that were going off in the cupboard. Um, And the more that I started to sort of read into it and research, um, the more I realised that it's like, you can freeze pretty much everything like literally there I mean there's you know there are there are exceptions as with everything um and actually the big thing as soon as I kind of had that realization the the wall that I then hit was like understanding the food safety and um understanding how you know like okay yes you can freeze this potato but how do I freeze it because you can't just unfortunately you can't just put a potato in the freezer um Mm. (laughs) particularly edible um so yeah I I basically just like I geeked out on all things freezer um and food safety and got got food safety and hygiene certified um and then I started sharing stuff on Instagram because I just thought, oh, this, you know, this is so cool. Like, I'm really enjoying this. I'll I'll start to share it with other people. Um, and I, you know, I got a got a few followers from that and got friends who previously when I talked about freezing things, they were a bit like, uh, yeah, OK. You know, like their eyes would glaze over because they're just not, you know, they're not natural back cookers they're not they're not that way inclined um but as I started to share things like um you know oh I don't know you've got a a a pepper um going off in the fridge and you can just chop that up and open freeze it on a tray and then bag it up and then that can be cooked with from frozen they were like oh hang on a minute that'll only take me 30 Mm. seconds to do and it saves me having to go back to the shop um you know and that sort of realization that I think that people that I knew that had literally no interest in using their freezers or in batch cooking all of a sudden they started to take an interest um and that made me realize that it was like this actually could be really valuable to people um and it was when the pandemic hit in March um, last year for us, uh, that I thought I need to I need to write down what I've learned. I need to write down what I know um, because I think this would be really valuable information to people. So at this point, it, I I wasn't set up as a business. I wasn't um, I wasn't consulting. I, I'd just been sharing um, through social media, just sharing sort of what I'd learned. Um, and yeah, at that point, I decided to write an ebook. So um, I've I've got an ebook that's available, which I gave away for the first month 
month after I um, published it, which breaks down all of those different food safety um, kind of tips and uh, the techniques that I use to make the food more usable um, and, you know, avoid spoiling it and everything. Um, and I'd, I'd done that with just the intention that it was like, I think this could really help people during, you know, we're in a global pandemic. Um, we don't want to be going back to the shops. This this is a really great way of, of kind of preserving food um, and, and making it last a bit longer. And then a month, I think, after I decided, yeah, it would have been in April, the month after I decided to write the ebook, I basically got made redundant from my day job. Um, and uh, it was, you know, with that, that I sort of thought, actually, this, you know, this is a fantastic opportunity to... Um, you know, to share this on a greater level and to work to to sort of spread my techniques and, and what I do in my own home further. Um, and along this journey, I'd essentially, I'd, I, you know, you asked about the, the food experts, um, the food waste expert side of things. Sorry, this I said I'd keep it concise. This is not concise at all. No, but you're touching on so many things I would have asked you anyway. So I am just loving listening over here. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so the, the, you know, the food waste side of things, um, I had literally no idea about the global environmental impact of food waste. Um, when I started doing this, I was concerned about it in my own home. Um, because one, you know, I think we all feel that way that if you've bought something and then you throw it away without eating it, it just feels wasteful. Um, and it was obviously a waste of money and it was a waste of my time having to go back to the shop to buy more. Um, but it, it, you know, it hadn't really, I, I was not aware of the environmental implications. Um, and then when I um, started, I actually started researching around storage um, solutions and, and different options because I, I didn't want to encourage people to use um, single use plastic um, kind of freezer bags. Um, so I was I was talking to a lady who uh, over here works in recycling and um, food disposal and everything. And she actually said to me, you know, I, I was saying it's really difficult because it's not black and white with the, the food storage and everything. Um, and she said, just please don't don't not do what you're doing because of the plastic. And I was like, well, I, I don't understand what you mean. And um, she said that food waste is such an enormous problem and so few people have any awareness of it um because it's something that you know we put the food in the bin and it gets taken away it it doesn't the issues aren't seen and most of us you know I know I certainly didn't um most people don't connect the fact that when I throw away an apple I'm not just throwing away the apple I'm throwing away all of the resources that went into producing it um and so, you know, that apple has required water and land and it's got a carbon footprint to it because it's been transported across the country or across the world. Um, and it just I think that that penny drop moment um, that not only was, you know, issues was throwing away food, a problem when it came to wasting money and wasting time. But actually, it's an environmental issue as well um, that it really, I don't know, it just it triggered sort of this um, 
this passion and interest in me to really get to grips with the problem but also to to spread I think this you know to spread this information um and to kind of build up more of a mission to actually help people to specifically stop wasting the food not just um for their own benefit but for an environmental benefit as well because it really we I mean in the UK 70% of food waste comes from our own homes um and that you know that is a huge amount of control that's a huge amount of opportunity um so yeah I think you know it's it's something that I didn't set out to become an expert in food waste but the more that I've learned the more that I've engaged with others um and the more that I've I've discovered that um I think you know most most people aren't familiar with a lot of the the little simple things that we can do um the more I realize that it's like actually this is yeah this is what I need to do this is absolutely like I just feel so passionate that this is something that could make a huge difference um environmentally globally um and to to every individual in their homes um you know not not specifically what I do but just I think the whole issue around food waste if it's something that we um as as different societies can tackle it could have huge huge benefits um for all of us really so yeah that's that's my incredibly long wind <laughs> no but I find it really I find it so fascinating and I think I think it's very cool how your mission kind of evolved from the batch cooking to more of the freezer stash to now even going beyond your own freezer mm. to making an impact on the greater environment. And it's really inspiring. And I think it's something very tangible and we can all start to do this better. Um, I know it was really, I was connecting to you, to you and you were talking about the mindset shift of you can actually just freeze vegetables before cooking them. Some of them, you know, we, my husband and I like to shop at Costco, which out here is this, you know, you buy everything in bulk. Um, But we like to use frozen cauliflower and smoothies to kind of give them a creaminess and add a vegetable. But sometimes it's hard to find cauliflower rice or frozen cauliflower Mm -hmm. so one day I remember we were both in Costco in the produce section and there was a bag of pre-chopped cauliflower and we just looked at each other and had this aha moment of couldn't we just go home and put this bag right in the freezer and then freeze the cauliflower and then problem solved we have frozen cauliflower so I think just tiny mindset shifts like that are so powerful and I'd love to hear what are some of the easiest vegetables to freeze raw? Sure. So, I mean, the the simplest one um, for me really are things like um, bell peppers. Uh, so I think, I don't know, is it bell peppers in the US or is it cat? It is, yeah. Bell peppers, good. Um, I think spring onions, which I think are, oh, 
Green onions? Green onions. Or... Yeah, yeah. Scallions? Scallions, that's the one. Okay. Um, onions, I mean, like normal sort of brown onions as well, like the white onions um, and red onions. You can literally just chop up. Um, and everything, I would say, the, the one thing I would say with veg um, when you're chopping and, and freezing it is just making sure that you're putting it spread out on a tray that's lined. Um, so like I use a, reuse, a reusable baking parchment um, because what that will allow is um, for one, for the vegetables to freeze through faster. Um, so it damages the the cell structure of the of the vegetables less, um, like it, it because it freezes faster. The the well, I won't get into the science of it, but um, it will preserve them better uh, to better quality, um, and also it just avoids that thing of them all clumping and sticking together, and then you having to mm-hmm. use everything in one go. Um, whereas if you spread it out on a tray, you will be able to literally just use a little bit here and a little little bit there, um, which I find really handy. Um, I'd say as well, I mean, with vegetables, I also do it with um, courgettes, which I think might be zucchini. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I hadn't even thought about the UK, US vegetable minefield here. I'm really testing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't either, but this is actually even more educational now. <laughs> um, yeah. And other things, I mean, you can like you can just um, chop up and freeze things like broccoli. It's not it's it's better if you blanch I mean all vegetables really are better mm. if they're blanched first um, which for anybody who uh, hasn't come across blanching is you basically just get a pan of water get it to a rolling boil throw the vegetables in and then um, they usually just stay in for it's between kind of a minute to absolute maximum of five minutes depending on what it is and, and the size of the pieces um, and then transfer it straight into an ice bath to stop it cooking um, and the reason for for doing that is basically because uh, vegetables have enzymes in them that continue to deteriorate the vegetables even if they're frozen. Um, so it's not it's not a safety thing; it's a quality thing. And the longer that the food is going to be in the freezer for, um, the more you know the necessity really to blanch it before freezing. So mm. if you're you know if you're just like wanting your cauliflower to last um for making smoothies for the, like the next month or whatever then that's absolutely fine that's not going to be an issue um but if it's going to be in there for eight months or nine months or whatever then you know I think anything kind of over the three month mark really you want to be blanching first what are some vegetables that absolutely should be blanched is that potatoes probably or yeah potatoes is a definite one um potatoes if you just throw them in uh raw because they've got such a high water content they they won't um they won't react well to it um with potatoes like new potatoes um baby potatoes i would blanch for five minutes um and then i usually roast those from frozen um and you can do the same with like wet, you know, if you want to cut them into wedges or chips or, um, oh, it's not chips in the US. Uh, well, fries. No, but we got that fries. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want to confuse things. Like, don't, don't, don't <laughs> cut them into like crisps, chips. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, cause, uh, yeah, that won't work so well. But 
Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, with that, or you could mash them. So you could, you know, if you've got a big bag of potatoes that are going to go bad, um, then they can, they can be mashed up. And then I freeze those flat in a bag in portion sizes that I'm going to use, um, basically because that allows it to defrost really quickly. Um, hmm. and I can literally just like pretty much within five, 10 minutes, I can break that up out of the bag and get it into a pan and just reheat it in a pan from frozen. Um, and if you think it's spoiled, just keep going. Like you just have to evaporate off the water. Cause I've had some people who've gone, Oh, I tried doing that. And it was just awful. It just looked like it was sopping wet and lumpy and horrible. And it's like, no, 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 you just, you have to evaporate off the water. You've just got to keep going. Um, so yeah, definitely, definitely potatoes. Um, I think, I mean, other than that, I, I don't know. That's, that's the only one that is like, absolutely, you know, no question. You have to do it. Um, okay. And then maybe cauliflower or broccoli, if you're planning to keep it yeah. in your freezer much longer. Yeah, I they're they're the sorts of ones that I would always blanch and like sweet potatoes as well. Um I tend to blanch. I I usually blanch things like squash, but again, you don't you don't have to if it's going to be used fairly quickly. Um and and to be honest as well, it is it, it's largely um a a question of testing it for yourself as well because it might well be that you don't like the quality of it when you if you don't blanch it um if you're doing something like roasting it um you know with the broccoli for example if you're not keen on it then next time try blanching it and see if you like it better because it preserves the flavor better it preserves the color and the texture um so it's it's really just kind of testing um i would there was something else I was going to say as well and it's just totally gone out of my mind Um, that's okay you might remember it'll come back to me (laughs) are there any so with fruit is Mm. it pretty much fine to just freeze it raw or do you need to do any special thing with fruit fruit ah sorry the vegetable thing has come back to me (laughs) oh excellent the key thing do not defrost do not defrost before cooking them that is absolutely um key to success i i know so many people who've gone oh yeah well i froze this stuff but then when i defrosted it it was just horrible and it wasn't like it had lost its crunch Mm. um and yeah that that is absolutely vital that when you are cooking from frozen don't cook in a slow cooker from frozen um because there's a whole food safety issue with that but like if you're cooking um on um like on on the hob or in the oven um or in an instant pot like a pressure cooker or something then yeah that's definitely from frozen um for the fruit uh yeah you don't need to do anything literally you just give it a give it a wash dry it off um and then again open freeze it on a tray um for things like strawberries or you know like bigger fruits like mango i would um cut it up into bite-sized pieces um and then that way you can basically just throw them straight into if you're making smoothies or I we actually eat a lot of fruit frozen in our house Mm -hmm. Um, we absolutely like that is our go-to for healthy snack um because I like my my kids well my daughter certainly just does not stop eating um (laughs) and I find that freezing fruit really brings out kind of the intensity of the flavor um so like I don't like I don't really like raspberries when they're fresh um but give me frozen raspberries any day 
I think they're really, really mm. nice. Um, right. So there's definitely a texture. You know, some so it's not everybody's cup of tea. And if you have sensitive teeth, it's not great. But uh, right. yeah, I, I really love and frozen grapes. Frozen grapes are amazing. Mm. absolutely amazing. I know we, again, at Costco, will buy a huge bag of the frozen blueberries. And mm. then sometimes at night for dessert after dinner, we'll just each have a small bowl of the frozen blueberries. Yeah. And my husband likes to eat them right out of the freezer, but I usually just let them sit for five to 10 minutes. So mm. then they're still very cold, but they're not, not for my teeth. I don't, yeah, <laughs> I don't like them that frozen. Yeah. But I think, again, it's kind of trial and error and figuring out trying it you know see what works for you see how you enjoy it and don't give up if you eat it the first time and it doesn't taste the best to think of maybe or you know buy your ebook and I'm intrigued to read that myself and to see what are some different ways you can make it taste better or just tips like you said don't thaw the produce or especially the vegetables before cooking totally and I I think as well you know it's things like with the you know with the fruit like if you try I don't know, some frozen mango or something and you're not keen on it, that doesn't mean that you can't use it in baking or use it in a smoothie or, you know, like we've got we've got fruit that my kids would never eat if it was fresh. But I can I like I'm not a huge advocate of the hiding stuff, but at the same time, mm-hmm. like, I obviously don't want it to go to waste. Um, so I will smuggle like peaches into a, a smoothie that I'm making for my daughter and she just doesn't know it's there because the flavor isn't that obvious when it's mixed in with loads of other fruit um I should say though that with with frozen fruit obviously with small children be do be really careful because Mm -hmm. um obviously that can be a a choking hazard with things like grapes um so yeah we tend to stick to kind of bigger chunks and always keep an eye on her um yeah what are some of the things you shouldn't freeze because of food safety or just ways you shouldn't thaw things because of food safety so I mean in terms of um food safety and and like things you shouldn't freeze there isn't like freezing itself isn't really a food safety issue um the the issues with food safety really do come with that kind of question of like how has the food been handled before it was frozen and how is the food being handled after it's frozen um it, it's a bit tricky to be honest to kind of like go into all of the depths of it because it's right like, <laughs> there's quite a lot of different facets I mean the main the main key is focusing on temperature um in the sense that um I mean this is more cooked foods than than raw really um but it, it's mostly that there's a there's sort of a, a thing that's referred to as the danger zone so between eight degrees celsius and 60 degrees celsius i think it is um it's like the prime breeding ground for bacteria um so essentially it's like if you leave food sitting at room temperature for a long time so like i used to Mm. when i when i first started batch cooking and probably probably for a good five years of my batch cooking um like I used to leave all of the meals on the side as I cooked them out throughout the day and like let them cool mm. on the table um so that by the end of the day I could like look at everything I'd made and be like oh my gosh before it disappears into the freezer like look what I've achieved today um and yeah it turns out that is 
not the thing I should have been doing. Um, and that's really, <laughs> it's not good for food safety. Um, like stuff should be going into the fridge or freezer within two hours of it being cooked. Mm. Okay. So if you want to admire it, put it into the fridge first and then you can take it out real quick. Yeah. At the end of the day, take a picture and that's then freeze it. it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. And in terms of, you know, foods not to freeze, um, there's, there's not a lot that can't be frozen um it's really I mean it's more to do with how it behaves and how you use it afterwards so um the one thing that I do always say is like mayonnaise is not going to freeze well so things like coleslaw as well where it's um where it's got a sauce that's an emulsion it's Mm. going to separate um and you're not going to be able to salvage it really when when you defrost it um whereas yeah, most stuff. I mean, I previously, I used to say, oh, you can't, you know, you can't freeze lettuce because it's like in my head, um, lettuce is just something that you have in a salad. And, uh, you know, the, the standard rule with all of this stuff is like, if you're going to freeze peppers or carrots or whatever, um, you're not going to be able to use them in a salad afterwards. Like they are, mm-hmm. have to be, they, they have to be used in cooking. Like there's no, okay. you know, it's not, it's not going to work to defrost them and have them fresh in most, most cases. Um, so yeah, I used to say, you know, like lettuce is a big no, no, but I actually, um, I've, I've got a, a free Facebook group and, um, someone in there shared with me, uh, oh gosh, it was, it was only earlier this week, actually. She makes pesto out of her like salad leaves and then she hmm. uses the pesto. And I thought that was pretty inspired. Like I that yeah. now got that on my list as as a to do list. Um, and and someone else commented that you know they'd make like lettuce soup, which to me is a little bit of a seventies kind of a like I don't mm-hmm. I, I'm going to make lettuce soup anytime soon. But I suppose it could you know it could be frozen and thrown into smoothies. Um, so there, yeah, I think really the mayo is the is the only thing that I would or any emulsiony kind of sauces I would stay I would steer clear of really. Well, that's good to know. So then aside from fruits and vegetables, what are some things that you always have frozen in your freezer? So, um aside from fruit and veg, I have a lot of stuff in my freezer that has come out of my cupboards. Um, so I find with my kids, um, I have things like, I'll just want to use half a tin of kidney beans, um, Uh half a tin of black beans or whatever. And I always used to put the other half in a Tupperware and put it in the fridge and forget about it. (laughs) And then I would look at the tub and be like, oh, how long's that been in here? Is that okay to eat? And even if I remembered it was there, I was a bit like, it's been open for three days. Is that okay or not? Like, you know, I'd just be really unsure about it all. Um, And yeah, so now I literally like, if I use half a tin of kidney beans, I will drain the rest of the tin, um, dry them off, and then again, open freeze them and then pop them in a bag uh, once they're frozen through. And then they can just be chucked into dishes as I'm cooking um and I do the same thing you know things like jars of pesto or um tubes of tomato puree or tomato paste 
um, where I would just use, you know, I just needed a tablespoon of pesto. Um, and then I freeze those in ice cube trays so that I've then got like, it's sort of a tablespoon kind of a size ice cube tray. Uh, so if my, you know, if I'm just wanting to do a quick dinner, I can just grab a couple of ice cubes of pesto and do pesto pasta. Um, and not, you know, not waste the rest of that jar, but also not have to open a new jar or go and buy any more. Um, so yeah, certainly stuff out of the cupboards um, is, is one of my, like, that's one of my sections of my freezer. Um, I love that. It's really handy. <laughs> you mentioned plastic bags, and I know I saw you posting on Instagram the other day, um, how you reuse plastic bags. So it's not that you're using fresh plastic bags for every single thing you're freezing. I know we have a few of the reusable silicon bags. So we'll use those and we do the kind of reusing plastic bag things as well. But I, is it true that you should not freeze things in glass? Because I think that I shouldn't be doing that. But is it okay to freeze in glass or no? It's actually, um, it's it's all right to freeze in glass. Um, okay. It's not dangerous. The thing that would be dangerous um, is obviously if like, if your freezer was overcrowded and things are going to get knocked around and there's a risk of something getting smashed. Um also making sure if it's liquids that are in glasses um, that there is enough room for them to expand. Um, so always like leaving the lid, you know, don't don't fill things more than sort of two thirds full and um, leaving the lid off until it's frozen and then adding the lid on. Um, and mm. also if you were freezing meals in, in glass that was like, you know, kind of the glass dish is suitable for the oven. Um, unless it specifically says um, on the packaging for the um, for the dish when you buy it, uh, most of them need to be allowed to come to room temperature or at least to like fridge temperature before they go in the oven. Otherwise, that like shock from being, you know, at freezer temperature to oven temperature um, is quite likely to make the glass shatter. Um, okay. So yeah, I mean, my personal reason for not using things like glass jars is is predominantly on space um, because obviously the way that I use my freezer, like it's like a filing cabinet of food. Like I have everything <laughs> in there. Um, so if I'm not gonna, if we're not gonna eat something, the 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 part that we're not planning to eat immediately usually will go straight into the freezer. Um, and so I I really really kind of value that that real estate um even though I do you know I do have a reasonable amount of freezer space um but yeah from a, a space perspective I I don't like glass jars or tubs like plastic tubs um uh, but also in terms of um protecting the food I do find you know obviously like there is uh, some risk of freezer burn with the, the plastic bags and everything but I'm always um, squeezing out as much air as possible and in some cases um, like if I was freezing meat um, if it was like unfrozen meat I would vacuum pack it using a water submersion so you pop a straw into the corner of a bag and then um, submerge the like the meat underneath without obviously docking like getting the corner in the um the straw under the water and that pushes all of the air out and basically that will stop 
air touching um, the meat and reduce the risk of freezer burn, um, which will see like the more freezer burn you get on your food, the more it's going to degrade the quality, the more likely you're going to end up throwing it in the bin because it doesn't look very nice. Um, so that is a big factor for me. Um, I also, I don't know if it's the same in um, in the US, because obviously I don't know if the if it's the same like manufacturing chain or whatever, but in the UK, I so I use IKEA iStad bags um, mm. and I came to the decision of using those basically because they aren't 100% plastic they're predominantly made uh, they do have plastic in them but they're predominantly made from a byproduct of the sugarcane industry um, and I have been assured by IKEA that they are recyclable so when I get to the point where those bags start to split then they go into the recycling rather than going into landfill um so I mean I still you know I would rather if I can find alternatives that are completely plastic free so I do also use um compostable freezer bags uh so I I've found it's only in the last I think it's in the last nine months maybe um they seem to be becoming more available um but the problem is they only come in two sizes and they're basically like a sort of a single it's like a single adult portion size or a family of four kind of size um and they're just not they're also opaque you can't see what's in the bag um so there it, it's just it's all about the practicalities for me um you know and like with those bags you can't you can't reuse them very easily because you can't wash the ink off them so like all of my ikea bags i write on the strip across the top with a sharpie um and when i wash them that that even though it's permanent marker that will wash off and i can relabel them what that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So it's like, it's, I've, I've really, I, I mean, I really, really do grapple with the whole thing of using plastic at all. Um, and I totally salute anybody who, um, you know, the best thing you can do from an environmental perspective is to reuse stuff you've already got. Um, so like bread bags and cereal bags and, um, you know, margarine tubs and things like that is the most environmentally friendly thing you can really do um, because you're using a plastic that, that was there anyway in your house. But I just find that in terms of practicality and actually, you know, aesthetically, I, I, you know, I, that that kind of thing is important to me to make me want to go into the freezer. And I think, you know, it's really important to be able to find stuff and um, have a bit of a system. So like I, it just, yeah, it's it's what works for me, really. Well, and I think if you I, I also grapple with that as well. And that's why we have some of the silicon bags, which can be expensive um, and maybe tougher to kind of get a vacuum seal on from my experience. But uh, yeah. I've, I've tried with those silicon bags as well. Yeah. My, my complaint is always about the, um, again, it's a bit of a space thing because they are the size they are. So like with the, with the Ikea bags, I'm like, I can roll it up as, as it empties out I can mm -hmm. make it smaller so that I can fit other things in whereas I'm like with those bags they are they are the size they are um and as you yeah. say as well it's like I mean a big factor for me was making what I do accessible to people too um and like you say they can be so expensive as an initial investment so I think it's certainly something that I may move towards now that I know what I usually 
like there are certain things I always have in the freezer. Um, so like I always have grated carrot in the freezer. Um, so I could just have a silicon bag for my grated carrot because I know that I'm always going to be constantly refilling it. So it's always going to hmm. be full. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a cool idea. Yeah, it's a real journey. <laughs> Yeah, but I think also maybe you're using plastic bags still, but you could be drastically reducing your food waste. So it's kind of, you know, you're reducing waste in one area and maybe using a couple more plastic bags than usual. But I don't know. In my mind, it kind of would balance out and still the net overall result would be better for the environment. In my head, I don't know yeah, if that makes sense, but no, it it totally does. And there are there are studies showing that you know, although plastic is something that we obviously have to reduce and we need to work on, um, it's something that you know most people are very conscious of. Whereas food waste is something that it, it's an enormous problem, um, and most people aren't aware of it. So actually, it's yeah, it's a compromise that's kind of worth making for for the sake of tackling I think that particular issue really for sure well I can't believe it's almost been 45 minutes because I could just keep talking and talking to you but again I know it is very late there so the last question I ask each of my guests is in your opinion what does it mean to make the health investment it's such a good question um I really I was thinking about this earlier um and to me it's a real mindset shift um, and a shift of language as well I think Um, from I think from saying should I should do this and this I mean this is one of the things that I really like with your podcast that you you've tackled into lots of different areas of life and influences on life because you know, to make a health investment, you could initially go, oh, well, that's just about eating better, or that's just about doing exercise. But actually, there are so many things that have an influence on our health, um, that it's a, a bigger picture. So to me, you know, the health investment is looking at what you want your life to be, and maybe even like what you want your kid's life to be like. Um, mm-hmm. And making the decisions, not just not just about food, not just about exercise, but, you know, about where you live and how you live and what environment your home is like and how you work and, you know, all of those different life choices and shifting the language where we think, you know, where it's like, well, I should eat healthily or I should, um, I don't know, I should do more exercise to I can and I want to because um, Mm. and I think that you know that connection of why we actually I think so many times in our lives we say well I should you know I should waste less food I should do this and it's like yeah but why what's Mm -hmm. the reason behind it what's the life that you want what do you want to achieve from that and I think to me you know that is like if if you have a vision of what you want it to be um then you can make that decision and it might mean that you know an investment is investment is in yourself is in your family is in your future and it might mean some sacrifices or some changes to habit but actually changing your phrasing around how you think about it that it's like 
should is never going to get you anywhere um, or mm. is never going to get you anywhere like having um, helping yourself to change your attitude I think is um, is probably the most valuable thing I love that yeah and I when you're talking about that I don't have kids yet but you know the type of world you want to leave your kids even mm-hmm. I'm sure you start to think yeah. about as a parent and once you become aware of things like food waste and plastics you know, what kind of world are we living the next generation if we don't start to all kind of do our part and make little changes now? So I love your mission so much. And I'm so, so grateful that you joined me today. And I know everybody is going to want to follow you and find you all over social media. So where is the best place for people to connect with you and to buy your ebook? And I'll put all the links in the show notes. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, the best place really um, is Instagram. Um, so I'm I'm the full freezer on Instagram. Um, but if you if anyone isn't on there, I am also on Facebook. Um, and I do have a private um, Facebook group, but it, it's totally free. Um, so anyone can come and join that. That's the full freezer uh, family. Um, and yeah, I mean, the ebook is is available through um link through my website which is thefullfreezer.com but I'm I'm pretty sure I have also got it in my um link in bio in in my Instagram so that's definitely the best first place to head awesome and then I saw that you had started another Instagram account is yeah. that correct it's can I freeze can I freeze it yeah that's right so I um yeah I decided a while ago that it would probably well actually I just I kept on getting questions from people of like oh how do I do this how do I freeze that and I thought you know what it would be really really valuable <laughs> to just be able to say here you go here's a link <laughs> and and to just show people and I think as well you know I really liked the idea of demonstrating visually just how many things you can freeze um so yeah every Friday I share a new video of a different food uh, that you probably didn't know you could freeze um, and how to freeze it and then some ideas um, of what you can do with them afterwards and I share them through that can I freeze it Instagram account Um, it is also available on YouTube as well uh, just oh cool I didn't want to leave out anyone who wasn't on Instagram so I do upload it yeah as well Um, but yeah so it's uh, no that's really cool um, and I love because I think everything with TikTok and YouTube and Instagram reels there's so many more video components coming into social media and the other day when I found it I just was watching your videos for probably a solid five minutes and just I mean it's so inspiring like oh my gosh I had no idea I could freeze that and you show you exactly how to do it so I love that one and I think that was such a smart idea Thank you. Yeah, I think I think the key for me was getting it to be something that was under a minute because there are, you know, there are plenty of videos on YouTube and stuff that you can go and look like, how do I how do I freeze broccoli or whatever? But when you look at a video that's like seven minutes long, it's like, who's got time for that? Just give me the Yeah, fact. no one. <laughs> just give me the facts. I just want to know how to do it in this moment right now. So uh, yeah, most of those are between 30 seconds and, and a minute, no longer. Awesome. I love it. Well, I will link all those things up in the show notes and just thank you so, so much again, Kate, for being here. I'm so grateful for your time and your knowledge. And I know this episode's going to be a hit, so just can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Well, that's all for today. 
Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.